0: Welcome to the We Are Human Leaders podcast. I'm Alexa Zana, co-director at Human Leaders. And today, Sally Clark and I are talking to global leader in servant leadership and communication, Louise Evans. Louise Evans is the founder and the director of the Five Chairs Project. She's a behavioral coach, corporate trainer and facilitator, speaker and author of Five Chairs, Five Choices. Her TED Talk has garnered over 4.5 million views globally, and for a very good reason. Her powerful framework for nonviolent communication, The Five Chairs, up-levels our self-awareness to transform how we communicate in our workplaces, our schools, and in our own homes around the world. With over 20 years of experience working with companies like Gucci, Fiat, Unicredit Bank, Barilla, British Gas, Todd's, Duracell, Diesel, Manpower, and the European Council, just to name a few. Louise is not only a powerful proponent of insight and change, she's also an inspiring and delightfully warm individual. She's a real beacon of human-centered leadership. This conversation is peppered with practical tips and relatable stories, and we hope that you love it as much as we did. Welcome, and let's dive in thank
1: you so much for joining us today. Can you start by sharing with us a little of your own story and how you came to design the Five Chairs framework? Interestingly enough,
2: um, I realised that the the framework comes from my relationship, which was rather complicated with my mother. And to be honest with you, I wasn't really that conscious about this and that until, until very recently when I thought about, somebody else asked me the question, how come the Five Chairs? And I, I looked back at Um, this rather dysfunctional relationship with my mother and thought well I actually um, designed it for myself in order to improve the relationship with her because we uh, she's an extraordinary powerful small um, 97 year old Welsh woman who um, has uh, she's small but she's like a volcano We had this love hate relationship you know and And very often, if I misbehaved, as one does as children, um, then she would sort of abandon me and just leave me on my own, which was pretty devastating. So I grew up becoming somewhat possessive and jealous, because I was always afraid of losing dear people, um, losing their attention, and therefore feeling lonely and abandoned and all the rest of it, so... (laughs) So I had, you know, I, I was bec- be- becoming quite dysfunctional myself because being possessive and jealous in life is really hard work because you're living in the pockets of other people, especially people that you you sort of love, trying to keep them, controlling them all the time. So um, I was a bit of a late developer. Around about the age of 30, I thought, I can't carry on like this. I have to do something. Uh, about my behavior because before obviously it was my mother's fault it had nothing to do with me but then the realization was no I don't think so and asking that question or saying to myself is there something wrong with you was of course it's always devastating and when the answer came back well maybe there is that was the beginning of a long journey of 30 years of working myself basically and and, and out of that came the
1: chairs Amazing. And what were you noticing in your behavior at that time? What sort of signals had you seen that were starting to give rise to some awareness that it might be something that you could change in yourself, that there was a choice or different choices you could make to change your behavior and your experience of relationships?
2: Yeah, I I, I realized that I wasn't in the flow of my own life. You know, if you're suffering from, from jealousy or possessiveness, you spend a good part of your life controlling other people and following other people yeah and checking to see if they are doing anything which might might be of damage to yourself um, uh, so I think those were the two behaviors which made me realize that I was starting my old own, own life um but i need i asked i had to have, ask for help and i and I went to um uh, a counselor who helped me a lot and then started on a long spiritual path basically with meditation and yoga and various, practically all the practices under the sun, just to get to know myself better and find alternatives, you know. So I had to do a lot of talking to myself. And I suppose that's where the five chair, uh, they come in there because it's like you put a mirror up to yourself and you look at yourself and you ask yourself, are these behaviors serving me or not? And when the, the answer is no, they're not, then it's okay, what's the alternative?
0: You know, I'm hearing a few things from you there, Louise. The first one that I really, um, you know, was drawn to because I guess it somewhat correlates to my own personal story as well, and that is this idea that so many of us have some of these patterns that we know are patterns, but we're not always able to really identify where they come from. And when we, you know, are really able to trace them back into some of those historic um situations from childhood perhaps or early adolescence we realize that we're responding to stimulus and the environment and other people now in the same way that we were conditioned to do so as a child, for most of us unknowingly um, and and my my path very much uh, I guess correlates with yours in that sense as well and you know probably from a different set of circumstances but this idea for me that as a young, adult and as a young leader in particular, the need to control the situations around me as a way to feel in control was such a, a, just a regular behavior of mine. And one that you are pretty much frantically feeling like you're always behind in because, you know, we know that we cannot control other people, other environments and things like that. But it's something that you can just feel like you're continually chasing and then there's always this um, sort of lack of because you're never able to actually get on top of all of that, can you?
2: Oh, that's right. No, no sense of abundance in life at all, mm-hmm. quite the opposite. But I think the devastating thing is that if you are, are, are driven, in my case, by this sense of um, scarcity and uh, mm-hmm. and and also this sense of you know living jealousy and possessiveness, um, uh, and the c- control around that, you push people away, which Absolutely. is exactly the opposite to what you're trying to do is to be safe in a relationship. So I, you know, I, I wasn't holding down relationships with, with, with men, for example. Mm. You know I couldn't sort of have a relationship that lasted for more than two years, sometimes less, and, and then I would leave them, and it was all their mm. fault. if it didn't mm. work, obviously. <laughs> all of those dynamics of uh, low self-awareness.
1: And I think it's interesting, isn't it, because the, the jealousy and the possessiveness, we can do it quite subconsciously and for the other person that can very much be an experience of feeling like they're not trusted or respected and that's obviously a fairly fundamental component of our healthy relationship. So it's unknowingly we're creating that dynamic, not seeing it, and then and then things blow up.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean I have to say that the five chairs, when I did actually get it, uh, uh, start developing it, um I, and I was using I using it on myself all the time and still use it on myself. Save my marriage, basically. Mm. Yeah, I, mean, I saved save my marriage. I, I I mean I've been with my husband, he's from Palestine. I've been with him now for uh, almost thirty years, but we only got married three years ago. But but in the meantime I left him as well and he was very patient <laughs> with me because he saw that I was working on myself and I was really beginning to 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 get beyond my dysfunctional behaviors and then as the five chairs grew as a as a method i was uh, uh, training it more and more then it became part of the way i i live and and it's it's transformed my behavior completely and i feel so incredibly happy at the moment and more stable and more able to have a, a deep loving relationship than ever before
0: obviously, Louise, the bulk of your work is really using this in things like organizational context. Um, You know, I know that you've used this in school. So we, you know, we've heard how your individual um, experience and your upbringing and your early relationships have really formulated the five chairs. Can you actually walk us through what exactly the five chairs are and how we might recognize when we're operating from each of these five chairs?
2: for those who are listening i I need need people to sort of visualize five Mm -hmm. chairs lined up i mean they don't necessarily have to be lined up they could be in a circle but um there are five chairs with five colors so we have red yellow green blue and um uh, violet indigo in fact the colors come from the chakras in the body. So you start, the red is is in the genital area. The, the yellow moves up to the solar plexus. The green is the heart. The blue is the throat um, um, uh, chakra, which is beautiful for, for expression. And then you move into the violet, which is the third eye or the crown. And um, I think that the, the, each, each chair has a color. It has... An animal metaphor, metaphor. It has a famous quote which goes with it. It also has an object, and it has a set of attitudes and behaviors. So, so the idea is that as you move through your day, um, you can begin to use the five chairs as a mirror to your own behaviors. So, as maybe the temperature is rising in a conversation. Um, They allow you to become more aware of what's going on, for example, because if if let's let's say I'm in a conversation with somebody and and somebody just banally says, well, that's a stupid idea. Now, in that moment, I can react in in different ways. And if I was in the red chair, my reaction um, in my head would be. Excuse who the hell do they think they are? Excuse me, what do you mean that's a stupid idea? And I would start and rant and rave and I would lose control and I would get, get into an amygdala hijack. And, you know, and, and when you're in that is the jackal chair because the, the name of the, ja- of the animal is the jackal and the name of the chair is an attack, where we get into sort of unconscious irrational behavior with all the, you know, um, <clears throat> poor leadership. Behaviors that you can have, like finger pointing and excessive micromanagement, focusing on people's weaknesses rather than their strengths, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's the re- this the reaction to. Well, that's a stupid idea from the yellow chair. Is the hedgehog chair is more? Huh. Yeah, I suppose it is a stupid idea, and I'm not surprised because. I usually have stupid ideas, so I just don't know why I don't keep my mouth shut. I think it would be much better, you know, just um, disappear, basically. (laughs) So there we're talking about self-doubt. We're talking about all the limiting behaviors that that happen to us, self-sabotage. I mean, the imposter imposter syndrome, and um, when we're in... Unhealthy comparison, always comparing ourselves with other people or with people pleasing. And if you're a leader, you're, you're not believing in yourself, you feel inferior, you're afraid to speak up, you do minimal delegation, you're overprotective, victim. These are some of the sort of characters in. And those two chairs, the red one, the, the jackal and the hedgehog, are the ones that hold us back in life. That hold organizations back that hold families back but in particular hold ourselves back first so what we're trying to do is move out of those into the green chair which i think is probably my favorite one because in the green chair if somebody says um well that's a stupid idea in the green chair i take a pause um a deep breath and i think okay interesting i go into full curiosity um, I don't go into stimulus response. I try to take a deep breath and sort of make, make create space between the, the the stimulus and my response where I can explore, um, where I can be inquisitive, basically. I will be curious about somebody. I will ask questions. I will open up the situation, try to be creative because um, uh, it's the chair. It's the meerkat chair. And if you've ever seen a meerkat, they sort of stand on sentinel duty You know, for one hour, just looking around on the savanna, watching out for the predators, which is like our predator thinking in a way, you know. And it's the same in the mirchatra. It's the sort of preparation to be emotionally stable and rational, so that you can go into other behaviours which are more uh, indicative of virtuous, productive leadership. So I love that chair, and it takes a lot of practice. Actually, I mean, there's a lot of um, mindfulness practising there, uh, a a lot of really important. Holding oneself and and again creating this this space it can just be a few seconds where you manage yourself in or, and your emotions in order to come into the world in a in, in a more rational and uh, productive way. Then we lead in, those leads into the big chairs, which are the blue chair and the violet chairs. So the blue chair is the dolphin. Just love the dolphin. The dolphin is actually self aware. I mean, if you you put a mirror in the tank, the dolphins go and they look at themselves. They play with themselves and. So the dolphin really represents ourselves when we're in self-awareness. So, so you know, if, if somebody said to me, well, that's a stupid idea, then I might be thinking something like, "Aha, okay, so they've said that's a stupid idea. And when I hear that, I'm feeling actually quite upset because what is important for me is to be able to have a, a conversation, an open conversation, an explorative conversation And so I'm going to dog from from my needs to speak here and I will ask the person if they will listen to me to the end of what I'm trying to say. and We'll have a conversation and challenge this together. So in the dolphin chair, which is the detect chair, like being a detective of your own self, you you're really working on. Who are you? What do you need? It's feelings and needs. And actually a lot of the dolphin chair is based on nonviolent communication where I'm exploring my feelings and my needs and how to speak into the world. And I'm making requests and I'm explaining myself to other people, not letting other people guess who I am, because, you know, people usually guess wrong. (laughs) We can't read Mm -hmm. each other's minds yet. So (laughs) there I'm, I'm, you know, as a leader, I'm the driver, I'm the mentor, I'm the motivator, the delegator, the communicator. The risk taker as well, but, but I'm sort of becoming, in many ways, the role model for leadership. So beautiful chair, the assertive chair in, in, in many, many ways. And the last one is a gorgeous chair, again, really difficult, so incredibly important in the world right now, and certainly what's going on in Europe um, is the giraffe. So the reaction in, in the last chair is to somebody who says, well, that's a stupid idea would be more like, ah, okay, so they think that's a stupid idea. I wonder what the thinking is behind that comment there. I mean, they look pretty defensive. There must be something going on in their life right now, which I don't know about, but this is creating a very, very strong resistance to my idea. And I want to find out about that. It might be something to do with change. They don't like change. They get resistant to change. So I need to find out. So here... We are trying to understand the person in front of us, so we're going into full empathy. Uh, we're trying to be patient and tolerant, and, and be curious about the person. So we're the listener, with a coach, with the the carer, with the trust builder, and um, the includer. Yeah, um, and that's why it's such an important chair, I think, for us right now. In general, in the world, is this kind leadership um this, this servant leadership which is we really need to develop more and more because we're going through a lot and we've got a lot a lot of stuff is a lot of difficulty is, is gonna come up in the world right now in the coming months. So the giraffe is is important. And so the idea is that we're trying to turn the volume down on the, the, the first two chairs, the jackal and the hedgehog, and really turn the volume up on the meerkat, the dolphin and the giraffe. Because once you get meerkat, meerkat balance, you can decide in the moment situationally whether you need to be more assertive as a dolphin or more empathetic as a giraffe. And that will sort of lead you into a balanced approach to leadership. But that's mm. the general idea.
1: What I really love is there's this sense of... Um, You know, when we're in the the jackal or the hedgehog, we're really trying to sort of regulate externally, trying to control the situation or just really responsive to those extrinsic environmental factors, whereas when we step into our power, there's much more of a self-regulation going on and that's where we can really empower ourselves with choices and Bring the the curiosity, the detective qualities, or the empathy as appropriate to the situation, and really create a really healthy com- communication with the people. Yeah, around
2: us. that is it. I think I think the main message of the chair is we always have a choice, and mm-hmm. that is our responsibility. And if we should slip into the jackal chair and start judging and criticizing, etc., then we take full responsibility. The fact that we have produced that behavior and manage it. I mean, we can just say, Look, I'm sorry, you know, I'm sorry I snapped at you, I'm having a bad day. But in the five chairs, the language, You made me angry, doesn't exist. The the belief is nobody can ever make you do anything. I mean, they can can point a gun to your head, but that's, but even there, you can decide whether to resist or whether to, there are many things you can do as somebody points a gun to your head. You know, I mean, you can f- faint or fake faint, or you can you can be, uh, you, can, uh, you can do many things. You say, please not
0: me, him, him.
2: I mean, we think we don't have power, but we do have power of choice in every moment. It's just recognizing that.
0: What I love, Louise, about that is... Um, You know, there's this uh, famous Viktor Frankl quote, which, um, you know, you've really alluded to here. And this is the idea that that space between stimulus and response is really where our power lies. And, you know, we often see this, um, you know, and as you've mentioned, um, rooted in childhood um, scenarios where we say, you know, this person treated me this way, therefore I feel this way, or I'm acting this way. And it's this person's problem or this or that, but that meerkat, that weight chair really plays into that, um, you know, that, um, Victor Frankl's quote, because that is really where our power lies is, is when that stimulus happens before we react, before we attack, before we go into self-doubt, that's where the moment is
2: such a fabulous book he said the last of all human freedoms is to choose our attitude in any given set of circumstances Who
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so powerful
2: it is you don't give your power away you take full responsibility for what you are doing in life and it
1: makes you feel very powerful my own sort of tendency is often to go into hedgehog in triggered moments and i think i can speak for alexis that she's more of a jackal type person <laughs> yes i am <laughs> <laughs> we really zoom in on that moment when you know, uh we zoom in on that moment where we're feeling triggered. What can we do in the moment? What are the sort of strategies or tools we can use in that moment to be less reactive and, and 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 wiser in our communication? Oh, I
2: love that. I think that's where the work is, you know. Um it's it's about working in quite a lot of depth on the meerkat chair, the weight chair, where the top skills, because each you know, when when I work with the five chairs, each Chair has a set of skills to, to, to work on, to develop, to understand, or in the, the case of the jackal and the hedgehog, is to reduce, is to understand it first in order to bring it less into the world. Yeah? But in the, the essential meerkat practices of self management are really around self control through using a high level of curiosity. We've, we, we've lost the beautiful curiosity that children have as they look around the world, saying, ah, oh, you know, and the extraordinary thing is that adults only ask about 20 questions a day. Children between the age of three and five ask about 290 questions a day. Okay, okay, that's that's a bit over the top because, in fact, <laughs> the statistics are about, they ask about 40,000 questions between the age of two and five. Wow. we lost this curiosity. We go to school and all... What we learn is we learn to answer questions Mm. rather than to ask powerful questions. So, you know, when I did a coaching course, I rediscovered the power of questions and how you can lead conversations. And when somebody else is triggered, you know, using the right questions with a high level of curiosity can really help a person come into another state. Like, for example, if, if Alex is in Jackal, then... Asking the right question can bring her out because she gets a dopamine hit. You know, when you, when you, when you ask anybody a question, the light go, the, you shine the light on their ego. It's like, oh, it's, the light's on me. I want, need to answer. And dopamine s- s- floods the, the body. And she then has to get herself together to answer the question. So she automatically becomes a little bit more rational. So one one area is in the meerkat chair is how can we ask powerful questions, which come from an intention of real curiosity and affection, even though the person is being jackal. But that means that you understand why Alex is being a jackal, because there are big benefits of jackaling. The jack, the jackal is all about self protection. It's about surviving. It's about about getting results it's about winning you know and there's some very positive things about jackal the downside is um it can be alienating and it 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 can push people away it can create fear but we are all jackals at some Mm. stage you know Mm -hmm. um, in different ways as soon as we can understand why we are a jackal and like sally when you are a a hedgehog between the two of you when you understand what are the 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 advantages and disadvantages of of your behaviors you can then begin to empathize Mm. and then this this thing of 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 being patient with each other and tolerant with each other and even just giving each other a little bit of feedback that sounds like a little bit of a jackal comment there
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: you know playful um but I think manage, a big part of a managing another person, also people, managing, people management in general, is first managing yourself to be able to hold the energy, the potentially negative energy of the other person who's standing in front of you, and then maybe mm-hmm. take them on a journey which takes them out of their, their being stuck in, mm-hmm. an, in an unhealthy pattern.
0: Mm, that's so powerful. And, you know, that's something that we speak to a lot um, in our human leadership model is that to lead others, we have to start by leading ourselves. And I just wanted to go back to a comment you made just before that, though, because I thought it was this incredible opportunity to dissect this a little bit more. And this is this idea of curiosity. And I think, again, Sally's mentioned, you know, I'm definitely someone who, if I'm really triggered, my defense mechanism is jackal. It's to sort of outwardly project that fear into like, well, you're doing this or you've said this or whatever the case is. But I think when we go into that mode and in the same way that Hedgehog does the same, but sort of um, internalizes that in a different way. Yeah. But we, we make it about ourselves. We make the situation about ourselves when it may or may not actually be about ourselves, but bringing that element of curiosity stops us and stops our ego from making it a story about ourselves to actually opening that opportunity to say, okay, well, what's going on for the other person here that they, you know, no one can make me be a jackal. Someone has said something to me that's triggered my ego. What am I, what am I making? You know, am I making a story out of this about me? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, this is so important what you say, Alex, because it, we tell ourselves stories continuously. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the brain is very good at lying to us. Mm. The body will tell you the truth most of the time. And I think another thing is that the more we are in contact um, in a subtle way with our bodies, the body will tell you, watch it. You're about to misbehave, mm-hmm. you know, be, be, because things will start stirring within you. And that is the moment where we need to step in in curiosity, saying, oh, wow, look at look at." look how I I am reacting to that statement, but maybe the person next to me isn't reacting at all. So what has that, what button has that person touched in me that I'm reacting in that way? And then you go on and it's self-exploration, which is
0: endless journey. Well, and the fascinating thing is if, you know, if we don't have our buttons on the table, people can't press the buttons, can they? So that's on us.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's it. And that's, that's the self knowledge because you you will still probably react but it'll take you a lot less sure. time to get out of the reactive mode and into more collaborative mode and
1: i think that that's one of the things i love about the five chairs that even since i've discovered your work louise is that even in this short time i've actually but managed to i think quite often shorten the period that in which i stay stuck in jackal or hedgehog and bring that self awareness to it and perhaps go back to the person and, 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 and open up, reopen up the conversation. Um, sometimes in the moment, but sometimes, you know, there might be a, a couple of hours or a half day that goes by, but just pre- making that period as short as possible so that the relationship can continue in a really nourishing and, 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 and beautiful way as soon as possible. It's such an empowering framework. If we look at the way we're leading ourselves every day, we, it, it's really about how we manage the small
2: things in life because mm-hmm. we're being triggered at the small irritations, the way a person manages to deal with all of those, my God, are there lots in a day.
0: Yeah.
2: There's everything about their leadership. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you allow yourself to go into the irritation of the moment or into the negative emotions of, of the other person, then they will, they're contagious. Then they mm-hmm. will allow them to change you. So by the end of the day, you go home to your family and you're, you're, about, you're about to explode.
0: With yeah. the people
2: that we love most, you know, it's it's, it's ironic, isn't it? We tend to behave best with the people that we work with who are not our family and we don't necessarily love. And then, you know, the best days, days, the best hours of a day are spent with the people that we don't love and are not necessarily the most important people in our lives. But then we go home in the evening and sometimes vomit all over our families, you know, because we're, we're, yeah. we're just out of control. You know, These, these are the people that count the most.
0: Yeah, you're so right. And I guess it's going into really the next question that we wanted to dive into here, Louise, and you sort of alluded to what I expect will form part of this answer anyway. And, you know, that is what are the the key ways that leaders can sort of use these five chairs? And in particular, and again, you have mentioned this, how can we notice these chairs in perhaps some of our team members and how might we best handle some of those situations? So I guess the most, as you've mentioned, prohibitive two chairs to be in or the ones where we need to pay the most attention to the, the um, impact they can have is probably the jackal and the hedgehog. So what should we be doing when we notice some of our team members slipping into these chairs to sort of um, disarm them in those situations and bring them out?
2: When I work with leaders, I like to work with leadership teams because um the chairs themselves, if you work in a team together, I, know, I think one of the most important things, whether you're working with adults or also with children, is people have to own their behaviors.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and and often people are not doing that and they're not recognizing their behaviors. So if I work with a leadership team, we will do a couple of days on the chairs. But because the chairs are in front of us. It it is a way of recognizing your behaviors. Um, And you can recognize yourself being a jackal and sort of say, oh my God, I'm I'm pretty full on jackal. But when we open it up and talk about what it means to be jackal, everybody is to some degree or another. So people don't feel Mm -hmm. threatened by the model. They feel there's a sort of level of inclusiveness which allows people to work on themselves in a non-threatening way, because once a mm. team has the language, they can play with it, with each other. And mm. it's like, well, we're all in all of the chairs at some time. Some people sit more in one chair and less in another, etc. But it does then allow uh, the team to, to open up a little bit more and, and recognize where they are and therefore give feedback, which is uh, uh, valuable in, in, in a safe way to one another. Mm. So you have a language. What I've also done is, you know, often in organizations is you make the language of the five chairs, the culture of the organization. So it's a, it's a feedback culture. So, everybody in the organization knows what if you say well that was a bit jackal maybe we should um sit in the meerkat chair for a few minutes and think about this
0: one what i'm really hearing that's really critical here is you know it's not about calling other people out on their behavior it's firstly about creating a culture of common language around what these what this framework looks like what these triggers look like for people so that it feels safe for everyone to identify themselves in those chairs and then yes. it's about really imbuing that into their culture so that there's this um that again that necessary safety to say hey it feels like this might be coming up today or that might be coming up today and we we know that that feedback culture is in a safe space with that common language we have there
2: exactly and it's also about learning to forgive one another we all become jackals especially in situations where i mean your our our cohort is is Overly stressed, overly worked. I mean, this is yeah. unsustainable. You know the way, the mm. way we are living our lives. But the more you have conversations of recognition that we are all I- I in the same boat in many many ways, that does help increase the tolerance that there is uh, and mm-hmm. the level of forgiveness. I mean, it is funny because sometimes when people have learnt the chairs. It's like, aha now I know what a jackal is, isn't. It? You're a jackal. That's being a jackal. If you say <laughs> you're a to another, you're accusing them. So, you know, let's be gentle. It's about like when you learn a new skill, you're trying it out on anybody you want to be better so, <laughs> that I think. But so it's inviting people to really forgive one another and to be tolerant of
1: one another. And it really invites in some humility and vulnerability as well. And I think that's such a beautiful thing when leaders can really use this language that inherently brings vulnerability and creates, as Alexis mentioned, that safe space for people to be self-reflective and almost with a little bit of, you know, self-humour, like, yeah, I tend to do that sometimes. But bringing it, that awareness that we bring to ourselves is so empowering.
2: I warn parents because we're working with children now between the age of four and 14. And it's, it's just such beautiful work. Um, you know, I mean, I'm working with these, these teachers who are bringing fabulous ideas because the, the kids really fall in love with the animals. And mm. they begin to own their behaviours. Ah, that was me. I was a jackal they actually own their behaviors and they have no problem. And you, the kids who will never own up to their behaviors when they see the animals, they say, Oh yeah, yeah, I do that. And that breaks down an incredible barrier. But I say to parents, you know, cause what we try to do in, in the school of the dream is we work on the teachers, the teachers work on the children. We work on the parents too. And then we, we hit the whole community is that mm. everybody, you know, everybody is aware of, of behaviors and using the language but I do say to parents, I say be careful because, you know, when kids learn it, they learn it fast, and they will come up to you and say, "Daddy, you're being a jackal." Extremely careful not to jackal them back mm. because then you're going to yeah. break break the magic of, of of that moment, you know, of, of rec- recognition of behaviours. <laughs>
1: yeah. So. It's, I love this segue. We've sort of talked about uh, the five chairs in the context of the work and leadership environment as professionals. Where, tell us more about how, why it's so important that we can also bring this framework to our personal, family or private situations as well.
2: God, it's so important. You know, I was working with um, with a client, and it was, it was with the European Council, actually, uh, and we were doing um, some webinars, um, oh, the, and it was uh, – they had we had a weekend uh, to go what they had a weekend to go away and practice and and i you know i said I said, go and practice on your children, you know if you 've got children or or on your husband's wives and maybe use some questions the mere quack questions of curiosity and just play around, keep the jackal down, you know, go on a mental diet, try not to judge so it was beautiful on the Monday morning when they came back i said you know how 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 was the jackal over the weekend and one of the ladies she said you know what? I used the meerkat with my daughter. And it was, it was a classic situation, she said, my daughter, 17-year-old. Um, her room is just a total abhorrent mess. And she's always <laughs> had the conversation, which is, you know, how many bloody times do I have to tell you to clean your room? I am sick and tired. She said, I didn't do that. I went into the, she said, I went into the room and I looked around and she said, um, tell, me, tell me about your room. You know, because I noticed that's over there and this is here and this it went to the facts. Yeah? And her daughter said, ah, um, well, um, actually, those things are over there because uh, they have a special place because I use them when I'm doing my art. These and these. She explained her chaos to her mother and it was ordered chaos. And her mother said, wow, I, I have never even thought about it like that. And at the end, this conversation just continued. And at the end of the conversation, her daughter said, that was an amazing conversation, Mum. Can we have more like them? Mm. Wow. And it was like, oh, my God. And and she said it was amazing for her. All she did was she opened up towards her daughter and asked some questions of curiosity. Mm. And, and her daughter came forth with all sorts of things that her mother hadn't even thought about because her mother was being jackal because she was stressed out in the same old thing. And then... Mm. And then And she said, I'm going to use it from now on. And really, you know, so
0: beautiful. Oh my goodness. And you know, what I'm hearing there, Louise, and so firstly, you know, I think that would be, had I been asked those questions as a child, and again, it comes back to this idea that often the dynamic between parent and child is Noah, and um, that then becomes the job to pass on what we know and make sure the rules are in order and things like that. And, you know, as a child often that can leave us feeling very unseen and unheard and actually in my experience and perhaps yours as well, Louise, is misunderstood and then that, you know, that's why we turn to these defensive behaviours down the track because we've learnt this like trying to defend, trying to explain, trying to get you to understand. Her daughter said, well, it's it's useless talking to you because you never listen. Exactly. And, you know, to translate that to um, the work you know, the work sense, because I think the role that we assume as leaders very often is that we have to have the answers, we have to know, and we have to then tell to keep things flowing, to keep budgets hit, et cetera, et cetera. And so we forget to ask questions because we forget that that's part of our job as well.
2: Well, plus it's the power that when a leader asks their team questions, the team feels seen, heard, important, Mm -hmm. Mm that always. Me. Um, and, of course, they have to, they have to be uh, 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 powerful questions, not threat questions. Mm-hmm. Um, or even when a leader says, you know, you know, I don't know, but maybe you can help me. Mm-hmm. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, 80% of people hearing a leader being extremely human are going to love to be around that leader. You know, and this is all about how how do I invite people to want to be in my presence? hmm this is so important. Rather than the, the command and control, and you know, it's my way or the highway, and all yeah. the rest of it, which just doesn't work. So, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, and I guess what I'm hearing there is that there's actually really no separation between how these chairs impact us at work or at home, because human beings are inherently, you know, ne- we need to feel understood. It's it's part of our innate nature.
2: Yeah. So. No, I mean, I, I really, I'm, it's you. You carry them everywhere with you. Even mm-hmm. in the street. I mean, even the street. Somebody can bump into, like, you know, I was in, I was in Berlin the other day, and, and somebody went was going along the the, the pavement and and just knocked straight into me, and you know, really pretty violent, and it nearly knocked me over, and the they were, you know, they had beer in their hands and all the rest of it. I had a choice. I could be a jackal turn, and I say, oh, yeah, bye. But that's a waste of life. I mean, you mm. know, it's mm. actually not about me, you know, and then you can quickly say, okay, take a deep breath. And look, he's got beer in his hand. He, 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 I don't know what's going on in his world, but, but some, but I, uh, you know, he might, might be drunk, he might be having a tough time. I don't know, but I'm not mm. going to spoil my beautiful moment right now because of a behavior like that.
1: And I think that's such a beautiful example of how sometimes we can feel like when we bringing that compassion and empathy to our behaviour, we can be afraid that we're almost disempowering ourselves, but it's actually one of the most empowering things that we can do. Thank you, Sadie. That's so important.
2: You need so much courage to be empathetic mm-hmm. because you – you are putting your ego aside and your brain doesn't like that because the brain likes to have to be at the center of attention and protecting you. But that is the things I am completely opening up to the other person. I have no clue what's going to come at me, but I'm feeling steady like an oak tree. And I feel I can take what other comes at me and deal with that.
0: Sort of, I guess we're getting to the end of our, our conversation here that, you know, we'd love to hear in your experience, and you know, you've spoken about how the chairs have really transformed your personal life, um, but also your professional life. And we'd love to hear, you know, in that professional setting, perhaps for a leader, what sort of advice would you give to someone who's coming fresh into these five chairs? And, and what's the first, what, what's the best place for them to start to begin integrating these five chairs into their leadership style? Where would you, where would you advise us to start with this?
2: I think the big piece is, um, well, the first thing, they, they could read the book. That would help. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I could do the training for them, you know. Uh, but it really is the self-awareness. I noticed in my own leadership, I mean, I was my leadership was stilted because of this, um, you know, problem with jealousy and possessiveness. Uh, as soon as you connect to the behaviors that are holding you back, then you can consciously work on them, and if he, as soon as you are aware in a deeply conscious way of behaviors that you are not pre- healthy for you, first um, the subconscious will start working on that anyway. And then I think it's you can like in my case it was uh, there was too much power over, but it, I was actually being a headshot because I felt mm. extremely vulnerable. But it would come over sometimes as the possessiveness as power over people. It's about, okay, um, it's a, how, how do I give my trust to people? How do I share power with people? How do I um, um, uh, listen to others and allow other people to grow? That, move into the servant leadership because that was the most difficult thing for me because I had to protect myself.
1: Mm-hmm. But it was like
2: dropping the mask and saying, no, I have to trust people but i it took ages i ha- i had to let go of jealousy and possessiveness and it it took me 20 years that's why i and also another reason why i developed the five chairs is to help people not take 20 years to get over themselves
1: it's important to have some compassion for that process as well because that it's been such an important coping mechanism that protective desire comes from a healthy place deep within it ultimately it wants to you know look after our survival from a very early age so I think it's only natural that it takes quite a long time but I'm so glad you shared that as well because I think that's something that is really nice to be reminded of for me on the journey that it is it's not a one and done and it's not something that you will you know you flick a switch and you're good this is an ongoing process and a really beautiful one
2: beautiful yeah yeah it is it is and I'm still I'm still learning I tell you and uh, I don't well, you know, it's. I think Einstein said, Albert Einstein said, once you stop learning, you start dying. <laughs> so, and mm-hmm. I think the more we we are in actually curious about learning about ourselves, this is a gift we give ourselves, you know. And we say, I don't know, I just, I, you know, I think it's amazing how even at you know at the age of like sixty five, I'm still learning about myself,
0: mm-hmm.
2: still learning. Um, well, that's a, it's a crazy thing to say because if you really are into in to, to self awareness, you're going to learn until the day you die. But it is mm-hmm. an amazing journey being a human being. Once you become very interested in in how we work and what we do and why we do it and who we do it with, and all uh, the whole journey is just magnificent. So, really, the five chairs is is an invitation to help people get on that journey and uh faster and have a tool that they can keep with them for the rest of their lives, which is sort of fairly psycho-accessible. let's say.
0: You know, thank you for that, Louise, because it's a reminder to all of us that, you know, and as Sally has mentioned, this isn't one and done. This is, it's like an onion, really. The more we start to know ourselves, the more we actually become more capable, I guess, of peeling back the next layer to say, okay, now this is how it's presenting in this setting, or this is now how this situation is um, testing me to see, you know, what I've learned and, and how I can bring this in a new way. I just want to say thank you from all of us at Human Leaders for giving us this opportunity to learn from you, for gifting us with the five chairs framework. Uh, because i know when i first saw your ted talk on youtube it, it felt like you're inside my brain and you were just calling me out on my behavior and i knew from that moment i had to learn more because there was so much integration for me still to be done around this framework and as Sally's mentioned we both use your framework very regularly in our work in our leadership with each other um, so thank you so much for joining us for this conversation and thank you so much for this incredibly powerful framework for leaders and for anyone listening
2: well, thank you so much because, you know,
0: you, you, you two are extraordinary. It's always a, a, a
2: deep joy for me to talk to you. And I love the questions you ask, the way you work together and what you're doing uh, uh, in your organization. I mean, just talking about being more human is so incredibly important. So I thank you for the opportunity and, uh, and hope to see you in person very soon.
0: We hope that you enjoyed our powerful and delightful conversation with Louise Evans. You can find Louise at www.thefivechairs.com and her book, Five Chairs, Five Choices Own Your Behaviour, Master Your Communication, Determine Your Success. Available now wherever you buy your books. You can find more details of Louise and her work in our show notes. Thank you so much for sharing this space with us. If you're ready to join us and be part of the human leaders community, find us at www.wearehumanleaders.com. Thanks for being on the journey with us and we'll see you next time.